in the middle of the last century, the world was moving toward one of the greatest wars in the history of war. Hitler had released the Blitzkrieg, and Nazi Germany was forcing its way throughout Europe. Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor. The industrial might of the United States now became the world's greatest war machine. Ships, planes, tanks, trucks, jeeps, weapons of all kinds were now pouring out of our factories. Millions of young men volunteered for the Army, for the Navy, Marines, and the Army Air Corps that will become the Air Force. As the war moved on and it became inevitable that the invasion of the Japan home islands, the Japanese home islands, was on the horizon. The battles became increasingly brutal when the Japanese surrendered. And one battle on Okinawa was for a very steep cliff that became known as Hacksaw Ridge. And of the thousands of servicemen, infantrymen, who stormed onto that beach to take that cliff, one man did not carry a weapon. His name was Desmond Doss. Desmond was a committed Christian who did not believe it was God's will that he take a human life, regardless of the circumstances. Now, interestingly enough, Desmond Doss thought the war was just, just that he didn't have the permission of God to take a human life. So he joined the army as a medic. And on the night of the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doth pulled over 70 men off that ridge under enemy fire. And for his efforts, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. If you saw the movie, Hacksaw Ridge, if you stayed to the very end, you saw an interview with Desmond Doss. And they asked him, what were you thinking? He said, I wasn't thinking, I was praying. What were you praying? I was praying, Lord, help me get one more. Lord, help me get one more. I know a lot of us are not comfortable with the imagery of war. But you and I have to understand that we are on a battlefield. And there is an army of darkness, a demonic force that is attacking us, our families, and our children. And the wounded are everywhere. And us... You and me, the church, 
We're Desmond Doss. Praying that the Lord will give us time to reach one more. John echoes this in the beginning of the revelation. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Then I saw at the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look in it. And I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes from which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamp. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased the people for God by your blood. And for every tribe and language and people and nation, you made a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels around the throne, also the living creatures and the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor, glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in earth, on earth, under the earth, on the sea and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And I wept and wept because there was no one found worthy to open the scroll or even look in it. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. If we could see just a little of what John saw, to hear just a little of what he heard, to know just a little of what he knew, so we would press into the urgency of this moment, praying all the time, if we could reach one more. We pray this in your name. Amen. The great days of the Roman Empire were over. The story in the time of the Caesars that we read so much about had long passed. Most of that happened around the time that Jesus was born. By the time the early church is beginning to spread its mission across the Roman Empire, 
were into the Caesars like Nero. And now in the AD 90s, the time of the revelation, we're into Caesars like Domitian, who had grown frustrated with the early church and had started a persecution. Countless numbers were executed, martyred, others thrown in jail, others stripped of their citizenship, losing their, losing their property, and some like John were exiled. Domitian thought he could do the worst thing that he could do to a preacher, and that is remove him from his congregation. There would be no one on Patmos to hear him preach. No one to listen to him teach. No one to hear his prayers. Patmos is a rock that sticks out of the middle of the Aegean Sea. Even if you go there, you wonder why you're there. Which is why Domitian sent John to that rock. It's only so big by so big. But if you go there, they'll show you the cave where they think John was when he wrote the Revelation. There's no other reason to go. John, in beginning his book, tells us that it was the Lord's day and he went to church. Where did he go? There's nowhere else to go on that island. It's just a little piece of rock. But John tells us that this was the Lord's day and he went to worship. Now, let's stop here and let's learn a lesson from John. Worship isn't about how it's going for you. Worship isn't about what's going on in your day-to-day -day life, the circumstances of your moment. Worship is about, it's the Lord's day. And he's still God, regardless of the details of our lives. And when it's the Lord's day, you need to show up. John, even on the Isle of Patmos, even in the, uh, in the moment of exile, John knew this was the Lord's day and I'm going to show up. And when he did, God lifted him up into the very throne room of heaven. The, the book begins to seven churches, letters to seven churches, because this book is always about what God's doing in and through his people, the church. And John watches as the, sea, as the scrolls are open and history unfolds, as seals are broken and time marches forward. Now we get to the seventh scroll that's sealed with seven seals, sealed perfectly and completely. No one but God can open up the scroll. The scroll has writing on both sides. Everything God wants to say, everything God wants to be done is on this scroll. And John knows that when this scroll is unsealed and its contents poured out, all of the promises we've been holding on to will come true. All of the hopes that we have will now be realized. And John can see it. We're this close. And no one can open it. An angel calls. Who is worthy? And nobody moves. 
Nobody moves. No one in heaven moves. No one on earth moves. No one under there. No one anywhere moves. And John is looking at this scroll and nobody is moving. We're this close and now it's not going to happen. John politely writes, I wept and wept. Understand what he's saying here. This is a primal scream. This is a scream of utter horror and terror that happens when somebody tells you the news that you never, ever wanted to hear. John, love for the church, aching for the church, understands the pressure that they're under from Domitian and the Roman Empire. And now he sees the scroll that will reveal their future and ensure their salvation and no one will open it. No, he screams. We can't be this close and lose it. Hush, he's told. There is one. There is one who can take the scroll and open its seals. Now, I know the world will tell us there are lots of ways to God. There are lots of roads that lead to heaven. That's what the world will tell us. But I want you to hear me. That's what the world says. It's not what God says. The future is opened by one. Amen. And only one. Amen. Look, the Lion of Judah. And I turned, John says, and I saw a lamb. You said lion. I'm seeing lamb. Yeah. We can never pick out our own salvation, can we? We have all kinds of tricks and all kinds of inventions that we think will make our life worth it. Do y'all remember when they sold us our first phone? This was going to be a time saver. <laughs> We're lousy at picking our salvation. There is one. Seven eyes. He sees and knows everything. Seven horns. He has all the power and all the authority. There's one. And right now, as this scroll is opened, as this future of God's kingdom begins to unfold throughout the Bible, culture and the world is put under enormous pressure. We always think that the past is moving to the present, the present is moving to the future. In reality, the future is already established. Now, I tell you this all the time. God doesn't wear a watch. He's not, he's not hindered by space-time. So God is still in our past with us in our future, waiting on us in the future. 
okay? He doesn't say it will be. If you were with God in the future, he wouldn't be talking future tense. He's talking now. The reason we are confident of our future is that our future is already done in Christ Jesus. It's finished. Okay? Now, this kingdom glory, this kingdom weight is pressing on our current situation. The coming of God's glory is pressing on our human institutions and our human uh, organizations, and we cannot stand that pressure. In the day of John, people were dying in the clutter of the collapse of Rome and its lies. You and I live in a time when our culture is collapsing under the weight of its own lies. Sooner or later, the bill comes due. Every nation will fall. Only the church, only the kingdom of God is eternal. Anything built by human hand will fall, will crumble. We cannot live long telling our children what we tell them about who they are. We cannot live long telling our young adults what we tell them about love. We cannot live long when we tell each other about what matters and what's important. Our lives are crumbling under the weight of our own lies. Throughout the book of Revelation, you'll hear the saints cry out to Jesus, how long? How long do we have to wait before you bring justice? How long? This is an old, old prayer. Uh, and you hear it in the call of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, when God calls Isaiah to be the prophet, God tells him, I'm going to send you to a people whose head is as hard as flint. Isaiah cries back, how long? And the answer is, always, until the last of the redeemed come home. Many of you know that I was a chaplain of the fire department and the, the police department here in Brentwood for about 10 years or so. And I was with the fire department in several calls. We would pull up to a burning house. Firefighters would jump off the truck, strap on the last of their gear, and they would go into that burning office building or they would go into that burning restaurant or they would go into that burning house I want you to understand, anybody that gets dressed up to run into a burning building isn't right. I'm telling you. Okay, they need some deep therapy. But as they would be strapping on their gear, as they would be connecting the hoses and turning on the water, there would be one call between all of the firefighters, who's in there? 
Who's in there? How many's in there? Who's in there? A lot of times we wouldn't know. And the answer would come back, unknown. Which meant those firefighters would have to go into that building and do a sweep. They would go into the burning house. And they would get on their all fours and look under beds because people in a burning house panic and they'll crawl under a bed. Kids especially will crawl under a bed. Firefighters will find them, pull them out from under that bed. They'll hide in a closet. And these firefighters in a matter of seconds, it is amazing to watch them work, will go through that house bedroom after bedroom checking under every bed and in every closet until they make sure there's nobody in that house or if there is someone that they're out and you'll hear one one of them yell, all clear. You and I, as the church, have that same calling to run into the fire. To save one more. You have friends. I have friends. You have people that you know, people that you love, who are trapped in the rubble of a crumbling world that is falling down under the weight of its own lies. And we don't have as much time. as we thought we did. Your friends, my friends, people that we love are in more danger than we thought. I know it is dangerous. I know it is hard. But will you go to get One more. Lord Jesus, will you help us get one more? The seals have been broken. The scroll with writing on both sides has been opened. The contents of the future have been released. We're running out of time. But there's time to reach one more. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Right now, even as we come to this moment, the Lord is bringing somebody to your to your mind, a face, a name. You know the trouble they're in. And right now there is a little bit of panic because you're realizing they don't have much time. But there's enough time for you to get there.
So pray that the Lord will let you reach just one more. Lord Jesus, time is running out. We don't have the time we thought. Not much left. But Lord Jesus, have mercy. Let us reach one more.